us, <coughs> probably on a daily basis, uh, realize, and uh, so I've entitled this, this lesson this morning, The Struggle is Real, all right? The Struggle is Real, I think you'll see it this morning, but if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 7, quite a few verses, but we're going to use as our text from chapter 7, verse 22, into the first couple verses in chapter number 8. So if you would look there this morning, Romans chapter 8, excuse me, chapter 7, beginning in verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members. Now pay attention to that, in my members, all right, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of what? The law of sin. Now watch this. Which is in my what? My members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me what? Free. free. So look at this. Made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, aren't you glad for the work of God in your life as we see in this passage. I mean, we all understand the struggle, the day-to-day -day struggle. I'll probably say this again in our lesson, but I want to preface this morning because the Bible talks about our members, talking about our body. It actually calls it the body of this death. And the body, the flesh, is prone to wander. Uh, we struggle on a daily basis because of this flesh. Now look, you can't blame everything on the devil. He gets way too much credit, all right? Uh, many times, because of the flesh, we're weak and we give in to things. Now remember what I said, I think it was last week or the week before, that when you got saved, and I believe everybody in here this morning has trusted Christ, when you got saved, what happened is, is that the old man, your old nature, according to the Bible, was crucified with Christ, okay? And you need to keep that in mind. So when we battle, we can't say it's our old nature because we're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Are you with me this morning? Okay, now listen, but we're still in this flesh, right? Okay, that's the battle. And so this this war, this struggle that goes on on a daily basis is between the flesh and the spirit. And the one you feed the most is the one that's going to win in your life. We've got to be careful about giving in because that's what causes the struggle. Now, again, I'll use myself as an example. One time, my wife and I, we, were, we, we had spent, I grew up in the state of Missouri, and, uh, and, and spent 30 years of my life, and we had an opportunity to go down to the state of Tennessee and, 
we got in the car, we were, we were driving, and my wife said to me, she said, uh, are you okay to drive if I, if I close my eyes and, and just catch a little, little nap? And I said, yeah, I'm fine, I'm good. And so she did, she closed her eyes, and I was driving, and, and I, I, I thought I knew the way. So I'm driving along, this is, I guess in my defense, this is before GPS days. And so I'm driving along and I'm, I'm following the signs, but <clears throat> while she had her eyes closed, undoubtedly I missed one of those places where the highway does a fork and I, kept, I went to the left instead of going to the right. I don't know how much time passed, she opened her eyes and she says to me, why does that sign say that we're heading towards Indiana? <laughs> now, if you're like me, you're directionally challenged. If you're in Missouri and you're going to Tennessee, you're not gonna pass Indiana, all right? And, and now my wife is amazing. My wife, I mean, when it comes to directions, uh, we moved here and I'm telling you, the day after we moved, my wife knows where everything is here. She, she'll go out and She'll just kind of put it all in her mind where this is and how do you get, and a lot of times, even to this day, we've been here almost four years and sometimes she'll say, hey, go down this road. It, it's, it, it's better to go through here than go down and go through. And I'll say, how do you know that? Do you just drive around and, you know, I mean, I don't have that kind of time, you know? So I've, I've actually got my own GPS, you know, when I got my wife with me. But you know, I think about how directionally challenged I know I am sometimes. Can I tell you, spiritually, along the journey of the Christian life, we can become directionally challenged. Uh, we, we struggle from time to time in our spiritual journey. What started out as a sweet journey with Jesus, sometimes uh, it has led to almost what we, we sense as being distant from God. Maybe times of doubt in our lives. Uh, some of our teenagers, and thank you for praying for our teens at camp. And I, look, I hope you can make it back tonight because we're going to have probably one of the sweetest services tonight because our teenagers are going to be giving testimonies and they're going to be doing singing songs. And there will be a couple of our teens, I believe, that are going to be preaching. We may have an opportunity to see a couple of our teenagers that were saved before camp and never got scripturally baptized. They may come tonight. And I'm praying that all of that will happen, but I hope that as a church we're here to support them. But you know, a lot of those teens made decisions this week because of, listen, it wasn't that they were not saved. It was just like I'm talking about this morning, that after they got saved, that struggle was real in their lives. And I think that's what's good about camp. Now, we don't necessarily have camp that we can send you off to, but Honestly, from time to time, we need a spiritual boot camp. We need to kind of come back to what is that sweet journey with Jesus, what began with winning in our lives, because I believe when you get saved, you're now on the winning side, according to the Word of God. But what began as winning with Christ has kind of led to despair and frustration. Our new nature that God's given to us, we're a new creature our new nature has not fully matured. And the old man, not, listen, not the old nature, but that old man, the flesh, is fighting for control in our lives. And 
uh, you know, what I'm talking about with you this morning, if you're not identifying, you're saying, well, that might be others in this auditorium, but that's not me. If you can't identify with what I'm saying this morning, you better put your seatbelt on because you will identify with what I'm talking about because it's, it's the reality of all of us. Look, we're going to spend enough time in Romans 7 this morning to understand that if the Apostle Paul struggled in his life, then I dare say all of us probably are going to struggle in our life. And that verse that he wrote, O wretched man that I am. You know, the, the struggle is real. And, and we need to expect it. Look, if we're not careful, the hope that we have in Christ, you know what will happen? It'll begin to fade. We'll become weary. We'll begin to fail in our lives. The process of growing in the Lord, it can be hard at times. All right, so let's talk about the struggle this morning, and I, I think by now maybe I've got your attention, and so from the Word of God this morning, let me share with you a little bit about the struggle. Notice, first of all, let's talk about responding to the struggle, because this is so important, how we respond when the struggling and the times come along. How do we respond to that? Well, look, in our lives, just like when I drive my car, and I'm always looking at the horizon. I'm always looking to see what's coming ahead. I think if you're like me, you're probably looking at your life as a Christian, your walk, we oftentimes call it, and maybe you've wondered, maybe even today, you're wondering about the progress that you've made in your life as a Christian. How far have I come? Now, if you're like me, I can be honest with you and say this, I'm not where I sh should be today as a Christian. I'm never happy with where I am. Now listen, I'm never disappointed in the Lord. But I always feel like I should be doing more. I always feel like I should be farther along down the road as a Christian than I am today. And so we've got to see this. Look, think about all that, that in your life. And I, you know, Paul said it this way, I've not yet apprehended. So the way I look at that is, is that there's probably still a lot for me and all of us to learn in our Christian lives. There's probably a lot for us to do, and when I say to learn and to do, what am I, what am I talking about? I'm talking about to accomplish for the Lord. Because Jesus said it this way, I must work the works of him that sent me. Jesus was all about doing his Father's will. And that's what we need to see in our lives is what is important is how we respond when the times of struggling comes. And when you look at everything that's left in our lives, it really leads you to two responses. And I sure hope you don't uh, take the first one, but you're more inclined to the second one. Look at the first one is, is that sometimes when we think about the struggle and how do I respond to it, here's what we do is we try harder. I see a lot of people that do this. They try harder. Try, try, try again. Now, trying harder only works if you or others that you know actually set the standards and then you and I succeed by those standards that we have set up. Now, can I tell you simply this morning, man doesn't create the standard God does. It's God's standards and not ours. Uh, the, the Bible talks about and, and I hope you understand the biblical word, perfect. Now, that doesn't mean 
flawless. None of us are going to be perfect in this life. The word actually means mature, that we need to be growing in the Lord. God says, it's time for you to, when I became a man, I put away childish things, right? And, and it's time for us to grow up in Christ. And, you know, I think a lot of times, many of us, we still have miles of progress between where we are in our lives and the very standards that God has set up for us. And that's why it's important that we're in the Word of God, because we need to understand, what does the Word of God say for my life? You know, that is the gauge that I need to pattern my life after, is what is the Lord, what would, what would God want for me? That, again, referring to our teenagers at camp this week, that's what they learned about, is what is God's will? Now, can I tell you, God's will for one of our teens could be something totally different, but I will tell you this, God wants all of them to live for Him. God wants all of them to love him. God wants all of them to obey him and his word. Well, the same thing is true for us. But see, many times when the struggle comes along, instead of, look, watch this, instead of looking to the Lord, you know what we do? In our flesh, we try harder. Now, you can try as hard as you want, but guess what? You're never going to meet the standard that God has established because you know why? You're trying in and of yourself. And you know what happens when we try we fail. That's why I look at number two, look at the second response, is instead of trying harder, why don't we just learn to rest in Jesus? That's what, that's what we need to do, is to rest. See, the growth that's ahead of us is much bigger than anything that you or I could ever achieve. And we need to understand this growth. That when it comes to growing, there will always be a greater distance ahead of us than that which is behind us. And that's why, as the Bible says it this way, we need to cast all our care upon him. Why? For he careth for you, right? See, look, give it to the Lord. It's much better when we allow the Lord to work in our lives. He'll help us to understand that struggle. And, and listen, real Christianity, and, and real Christianity, and there's a lot of stuff that goes under the banner of Christianity today, but real Christianity is designed by God, and I hate to say it this way, but it's really designed to overwhelm us to where we really only have one option. And you know what that option is? That we are totally and utterly dependent upon God. You know, you, you look at the, the lives of the children of Israel. Time and time again, what did God say to them? He wanted to be their God. Remember when they asked, they said, look, we want a king. All the other nations have a king. We want a king. We want to be just like them. And God says, look, you don't need a king. I want to be your God. But they wanted a king. So guess what God did? He gave them their king. And guess what happened? A mess. See, that's what happens when we don't rest in Jesus. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus is enough? We just need to be totally dependent upon him. And when we get to the place where we realize that he is all we need, guess what happens? That is actually the beginning point of what we call real Christianity. It's the starting point for growth in our lives. Here's a great biblical example. Think about Peter. Peter, boy, he was so full of himself, wasn't he? He knew everything. You couldn't tell Peter anything. He had it all figured out. He didn't need other people to tell him. He was the one that was impetuous. He was the one that was always opening his mouth. 
And guess what? Until Peter came to the place that he was broken, then he became useful for God. And sometimes that's what happens in our lives is we get to the place where we realize that Christ is all I need. I don't need to, to try to do things myself. I don't need to try harder. The writer of the book of Hebrews, many believe it was the Apostle Paul, he addresses this very same uh, process of despair. Look what the Bible says in, in Hebrews 10 and verse number 32. The Bible says it this way. But call to remembrance the former days. And by the way, that's making a reference to our life before Christ. He says, in which after yet that ye were illuminated, meaning your understanding, he says, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward, for ye, need, ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, that he might receive the promise, ye might receive the promise for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So what is the writer of, of Hebrews saying? And I, I, I tend to agree that it, it may have very well been the Apostle Paul, but it, regardless of that, I think here's what he's saying is, is that someday if we are patient, in other words, we keep our eyes on the Lord instead of trying harder ourselves, I think if we're patient in the struggle, what's going to happen is there's going to be a huge payoff, a huge dividend. Now, it's not at all what you know, maybe the world would want to give us because, folks, that, the only thing that's going to matter is what we've done for Christ. And that's what we need to see. So, you look, what is he saying here? In your life, when the struggle comes, don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Uh, look at the very words of the, the, the brother or half-brother of Jesus in James 5. Look at these words. James writes, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. In other words, until the Lord comes back, just be patient. Behold, the husbandman, here's the example, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth not. So what is he saying? Look, the struggle, it's something that we all face. But he's saying, look, you've got to understand the struggle. There's a, there's a way to respond to the struggle. And the way to respond to the struggle is not in and of yourself to try harder because you're going to fall short. He's saying what you need to do is rest in the Lord. Depend on the Lord. So we need to respond to the struggle. But look at number two, if, if we're going to respond, number two, we've got to understand the struggle. Now look in your Bibles in Romans chapter 7, and let's see what Paul writes here in verse 23 of understanding the struggle. Here's what he writes again in verse number 23. We read a minute ago, he says, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Now, the Christian life, okay, we've got many ways we talk about it, we describe it. Can I just say this morning, if I had to put it into words, the Christian life is a relationship in which dying is living. Losing is finding. Surrendering is winning. It's, it's not at all what the, the world thinks. And can I tell you that when it comes to the Christian life, failure is not final. It's not. 
I mean, again, I could go back to the life of Peter and others in the Bible who did fail, but God used them in a tremendous way. But you know what the devil would love for us to do is, is to convince us you're utterly a failure. Your life is over. God could never use you. God could do nothing with you. And many times we listen to that instead of believing the word of God, instead of resting in the Lord. See, the Christian life is a journey where defeat, and we all experience it from time to time, defeat is drowned in mercy. And oftentimes, look, we have to understand that the imperfections in our lives is shrouded by God's unconditional love. You remember, remember the conversation between the Lord and Peter three times? Lovest thou me? Peter, do you really love me? Are those just words? Are you going to back that up? Show me. Why don't you prove to me, Peter, how much you really do love me? Now, the Lord's never said those words to me, but guess what? There's been times in my life, even during the struggle, where God is saying to me, do you really love me? I mean, I know you're struggling, but I want you to prove it to me. And it's difficult sometimes when that struggle's going on. You know why? Because while we're struggling, we're wrestling, we're waiting. But can I tell you that while you're wrestling and waiting, we need to fight forward in faith. Look at the writer of Hebrews again says in chapter 6, verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enter into that within the veil. You know, it's talking about the Lord Jesus. You know, that hope we, we talked about last year, that was the theme that we had last year. Look, if you're struggling today, can I tell you that you're amongst good company? Because there have been many great Christians over the years that have struggled just like you're struggling today. And God's word through Romans 7, through the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God is trying to help you understand what the struggle is really all about. We find ourselves sometimes, and, and this is kind of where we're at, we're suspended between someday, what's going to happen someday, and the painful present, what I'm going through right now. Now, you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, but, but no one understands what I'm going through. There is someone that understands. The Lord knows exactly where you're at today. So hope holds us together when all else pulls us apart. The struggle in your life, you know what it is? It's evidence that you and I, we need the Lord. That's what it is. So we can respond to the struggle, but in order to respond properly, we've got to understand what the struggle is. And then notice thirdly this morning, because the Bible explains the struggle. We need to understand it, explaining the struggle. What's the significance behind the struggle? Now, do you remember, I picked on Peter enough this morning. Let me, let me move to a different character in the New Testament. I mentioned him a couple times, but I didn't mention him by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Anybody know who Saul of Tarsus is? Paul. Well, you think about Paul's life before he got saved on the road to Damascus. You ever, I, don't, I don't dwell a lot 
on my path. It's there. I've never forgotten it. I just look here. I choose to not glorify my past. I choose to give God the glory for what the Lord's done. But it helps me understand where I was when the Lord found me. And after I got saved, guess what? There are many times where my flesh wants to go back. And the struggle is, I don't want to go back there. Remember the children of Israel? Boy, we had it so good when we were in Egypt. We were eating lentils and we were enjoying being under the taskmaster, making bricks out of straw and mud. We had it so good back then. Folks, the good old days aren't as good as people make them seem sometimes, right? And we need to understand this struggle because look what the Bible says in Philippians 1 and verse number 6. And you got to get a hold of this verse. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun, what kind of work in you? Now let me ask you this. Who, who is he that began a good work in you? Yeah, now watch, look at the verse. Because being, being confident, are you confident in what God's doing in your life? That's the question this morning. Now look at me. You may not be happy with who you are, where you are right now, but are you happy in Jesus? Are you confident in what the Lord began in your life? How many would say, yes, I am? I'm confident in what God began in me. Now, I may not be where I should be, but I am sure glad that God began a good work in me. And look what it says here. It says, in you which he will perform it. It's not a maybe. God's going to do his work in your life. Until the day of Jesus Christ. See, the Lord wants to work in your life. God has a work. Not just a work, but a good work. And that's, listen, as that work, you know, you think about that caterpillar. That caterpillar can become a beautiful butterfly. But it doesn't happen without the struggle. There has to be the struggle in your life. Look, it's, God, God is... You know the verse, Romans 8, 28, right? How many things work together for good? All. That includes the struggle. That includes what you go through. Sometimes we're like, but I just don't understand why. Why do I have to go through this? Can I tell you this morning, Saul would have never been Paul if it wouldn't have been for the struggle. Why was he such a great man of God? Because of everything that he went through. Now, I hope you understand that. Because, remember, being confident of this very thing. That he, which begun a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's what we've got to get a hold of this morning. See, God's good work is always happening in you and me. There will never be a moment when God quits working on you. God's never going to say, that's it. I'm done working with him. No, no, no. The Bible says, till the day of Jesus Christ. He's going to continue. Paul had that daily struggle within himself. And look, Paul didn't let this struggle 
bring him to a point of despair. Paul didn't let it bring him to the place where he was just hopeless. So let's talk about if we're going to understand and explain the struggle. The scriptures give us really a threefold part of that struggle. Look at the first one, letter A. It talks about the inward man. Look at Romans chapter 7 and verse 15. Look at the Bible says here. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, <laughs> does anybody else identify with that verse? You know, the things that I hate, that's the things I do, you know? Why did somebody put that bag of potato chips in front of me, you know? And, and, and then when the bag's gone, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten those things, right? That's, now, that's a stupid illustration, but it sure hits home with me. I know that. You know, this body's uh, been through many bags of potato chips. Verse number 16, look at this. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but look at that sin that dwelleth in me. Look, look what it says. Look over verse 22. For I delight in the law of God after the what? The inward man. See, that's where the focus in our lives needs to be. Look at Ephesians 3, verse 16, because he's talking here about the new man. We're a new creature. He says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's what God wants you to be today. He wants you to be strengthened in the inner man. He says, look, what, what is the new you? He says in Ephesians 4, 24, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Look, if we're going to explain the struggle, it all begins because if you're saved today, it begins with the inner man. But look at the second part of that constitution, because we can't ignore number letter B, the outward man. Go back to, uh, again, Romans 7, look at verse number 18. He's, Paul says here, as he continues, I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul says in verse 21, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You know what he's describing there? He's describing the, the outward man. He's describing our flesh and the sin that dwells in us. See, the Bible tells us that they that are in the flesh, listen now, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you're living your life according to the flesh, now don't get me wrong, listen, the, according to the Bible, there's the natural man, that's an unsaved person. There's a spiritual man, that's a saved person. So you have an unsaved person, a saved person, but there's a third person the Bible describes, and that is the fleshly man. That's someone that, that's saved, but instead of walking in the spirit, they're fulfilling the lust of the flesh. They're allowing the flesh. Listen, you think about cruise ships, carnival. You know, you think about all the activities, a lot of them take place in the state of Louisiana, where they have Fat Tuesday and, 
and, and it's all about feeding the flesh. You know, most people that, that live in the world, you know what they look forward to? They work all week for the weekend. And all they do is binge and drink and eat and all these types of things. Look, we that are saved should be walking in the spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. If we're fulfilling the flesh, then what happens is we are not pleasing God. Romans 13, 14, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Folks, look, sometimes maybe what you need to do is put, a, put that verse right there, Romans 13, 14, on your computer right above the screen or right below the screen so that every time you turn on your computer and your flesh wants to go to some site that you shouldn't go to, as a child of God, you see that verse right there, make no provision for the flesh. So you know why this struggle, if we're going to explain it, if we're going to understand the struggle, we've got to understand that there's the inward man, that's the new creature in Christ, there's the outward man, that's the flesh, and the sin that does so easily beset us. And then look at letter C, because if we're going to explain the struggle, that according to what Paul writes, we got to talk about the war that's in the middle, that's between the flesh and the spirit. This is where most of us live on a daily basis. I, I, I don't think I'm preaching to myself this morning. I think we're, we all struggle from time to time. And look what it says here, because Paul's describing, explaining this war between the new nature and the old flesh. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed how often? Day by day. Day by day. You know what you, that means you need the Lord every day. Hopefully you got it this morning and you said this, Lord, I need you today. Amen. The songwriter, I need thee every hour. Every hour. I mean, listen, something could have happened on the way to church, and probably in most of your cases... Something probably did happen on the way to church. You know why? Because the devil and the flesh don't want you to focus on worshiping God this morning. Look what the Bible says in Galatians 5. Paul writes, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Notice, see the war there? And guess where you're at? You're right in the middle. You're right between there. And so it says, the flesh lusts against spirit, spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. So here's, the, here's the, the comment this morning, is what do you need to do? You need to choose who you're going to follow. Are you going to follow the spirit? Are you going to walk in the spirit? Or are you going to follow your flesh? Now look, this is what we've been studying all year. Choose. It's your choice. Nobody can make that choice for you. You have to choose, am I going to give in to the flesh or am I going to walk in the spirit? Now, the fourth point that I want you to see before we're let, we dismiss this morning is this. We've talked about the struggle, how we respond to it, what it really is. In other words, understanding the struggle. We've talked about explaining why this struggle happens because we have the inward man we have the outward man we've got the war going on between those two the flesh and the spirit but look at number four i want you to see this because i want to talk to you about benefiting 
from the struggle. You say, Pastor, what kind of benefits can come out of a struggle? Well, I'm glad you asked, because there's some great biblical benefits. And by the way, there's a verse in the Bible I love. The Bible says this, God daily loadeth us with benefits. God, even listen, even through the struggles, there are some things that God is working all things together for good to them that love God. So let me give you some of these real quick, is some of these blessings that come out of the struggle. First one, because the struggle highlights God's grace. The struggle in your life, it, you know what it is? It's God turning something bad into something good. You know what happens when that happens? God gets all the glory, right? And so it's, it's a way the struggle highlights God's grace. Letter B, the, the struggle teaches us to walk in the Spirit. We just talked about this, how the struggle, it compels us on a daily basis to seek the Holy Spirit, to ask the Holy Spirit, watch this, to die daily, to walk in the Spirit. And listen, let the Spirit fill you. Let the Spirit, as Paul wrote to those in Ephesus, control you. Look what it says here. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled or controlled by the Spirit of God. So look, one of the benefits of a struggle is that, that, that God's grace would be highlighted, that we would walk in the Spirit. Let her see. The struggle keeps us growing in our relationship with the Lord. Because what happens? Here we are. We're weak. We're failing. And that struggle, what does it do? It brings us to the place where we realize, I need the Lord. See, without the Lord, a lot of times when things are going well in our nation, in our country, you know what happens? People don't need the Lord. Because they're trusting in the almighty dollar. They're trusting in the economy. They're trusting in, because everything looks good. But boy, you let the economy take a, a turn south. You know, you let a 9-11 happen. And boy, America needs God. But as soon as things get good, we no longer need that relationship. And so the struggle keeps us needing him. You know why? Because all of us are vulnerable. We're vulnerable to sin. Paul wrote about that in Romans 7. It, it, look, at it says here in 2 Peter 3, Peter says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Why? Peter says, look, he says, I'll tell you why I want God to get the glory. He says, because I love him. And he goes back to that conversation that Jesus had with Peter. Peter, do you love me? And you know what Peter realized? That through it all, God was faithful to him. God loved him. And because of what the Lord had done for him, he realized, I love the Lord. And see, I, I find that the struggle, it helps me to grow in my relationship with Jesus. Letter D, the struggle reveals the high value of God's work, his work within us. The struggle indicates to me when I study and read the word of God that God's word is true. And, and that, that there is something at stake in my life when I'm not walking with Jesus and look, that's, that's exactly what the flesh, the flesh says, look, I'm tired of going to church. I'm tired of reading my Bible. You know, again, I'm not going to give the, the devil credit for that. You know, I don't want to get up this morning and have my devotions. There is much to lose to sin, but there is much to gain in Jesus. 
a great verse in the, really that whole chapter, but look at Hebrews 11, verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So that struggle, we can benefit because it helps us to see the high value of God's work in, in us. And look at the next one there, letter E. The struggle keeps us hoping for heaven and home. Anybody look forward to heaven someday? Look, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. I, I, you know, there, I've talked to a lot of folks, uh, some that have come to our church, other people out in the community. I feel sorry. I feel sorry for people who think that this earth is heaven. I feel sorry because I'm going to tell you something. You read the word of God, heaven is a wonderful place. By the way, God is in heaven. God's not on this earth. Jesus ascended to be with the Father. And understand this morning that when the struggle happens, it, it helps us to realize that, listen, we shouldn't be satisfied with the things of this world. There's a much better place. God has something better in store for us, and that's why it says, set your affection on things above and not things on the earth. Look at the next one. The struggle keeps us magnifying Jesus. Well, how do we magnify the Lord? Through faith. By living for the Lord. Uh, our faith in Him, our refusal to quit. Look, when you refuse to give up, you know what that does? It brings great glory to God. Look at the verse here. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him, for he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Letter G. The struggle keeps us authentic in our Christian relationships. There's a lot of pretense, a lot of a lot of hypocrisy among Christians. But when the struggle happens, look, it helps us to realize I just need to be real with others around us. In the struggle that I'm having, we tend to a lot of times look around at other people. And you know what we do? We accuse others. We blame others. But all the while, guess what? We're just like Peter. We're broken. We're sinners saved by grace. The Bible says in Romans 14, 4, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. And we need to see here that we've got to be authentic in our lives as Christians. And the struggle helps us to stay real. Now look at the last one. I love this letter H. The struggle keeps us small so that he can be big. The struggle keeps us small so that he can be big. John wrote these words. He must increase. This is talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist said, look, he says, I'm not even worthy to unlatch his shoes. He says, he must increase. I must decrease. You know what happens when we get smaller? God in his grace becomes bigger, larger in our lives. So when you're tired of the struggle, guess what happens? Many times it's because of our own pride. It's because of our own false expectations. But can I tell you that when you're struggling... It's never imposed on you by Jesus because the Bible tells us he invites us to rest in him. Look at Matthew 11. Come unto me, Jesus says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? I'll give you rest. So you know what God's plan? Listen, I know we're talking about the struggle. You know what God's plan is? God's plan for you and me is yielding. 
depending on him. He wants us to depend on him. And when we fall, and it will happen, here's what's going to happen. He will pick you up. The Lord will pick you up in those times that you're struggling. How many of you are glad that when oftentimes there's no one else around, that the Lord is always there with you? He's always there when you're struggling. If you're struggling today, you're in a good place. Work on your relationship with the Lord, and God will help you during the struggle. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the truth of the Word of God. Pray that you bless our time this morning as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.